Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Duval, welcome into another episode of the Gin Jag podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined by Jeremy Markoski. As always, the 2021 NFL draft has come and gone. Jaguars landed nine picks, six undrafted free agents, and had a little bit of news going on around draft day, uh, potentially signing a former Florida Gators quarterback to play tight end. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all the draft picks, break them all down, and we'll answer some mailbag questions from you, our loyal listeners. Thanks for submitting those, and thanks for all the support. Jeremy, crashing with the parents and the in-laws for a little while here as his place gets ready moving back to jacksonville welcome back i'm praying for you dealing with all the family for the next couple weeks and uh welcome into a new era of jaguars football it's such an exciting time to be back could have been timed any more perfect we'll deal with the in-laws and and you know live with the family as we go here but it's crazy to be back at this time you know it's just how everything worked out like you said, a new era of Jaguars football. Cannot wait to be present. Hopefully, has as many games as I can this season. Super excited to be back home. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back. Ready to grab a beer soon. Uh, make sure to check out ginjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. We're rolling out in-depth um, scouting notebooks and uh, fits for the Jaguars draft picks right now. Just did... Um, just did Walker Little today, so we're midway through the second round. Got um, Andre Cisco coming up tomorrow. Make sure to check that out again. That's ginjag.com. Big thank you to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at the Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. Got a ice-cold Duval light sitting here waiting for me. Make sure to check those out. You can get them at Daly's Place, and uh, I believe you can get them at all the dailies locations around town. I think they're having a little exclusive deal going on with that. But yeah, go check it out. Beautiful looking can. Yeah, it's that, light beer. That top popping, that was music to my ears right there. Had a couple yesterday, actually, um, just for moving in town. Can't complain. Not a bad beer. They haven't produced anything yeah. that's bad, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, I mean, and if you're looking for a light beer in the craft beer scene, they're hard to come by. So go check it out for sure. Again, that's Bold City Brewery. Thanks to them. So we've got some news to get into here before we get to the draft. Nothing crazy, but a few little things coming up. Uh, Taven Bryan, fifth-year option, not picked up. Uh, but Urban Meyer said over the weekend that they do want him here. Well, how do you see this playing out over the next year or so? Because his fifth-year option, if for those of you who don't know, that's the 2022 season. He's still on the roster for 2021. I mean – this really just puts his back against the wall. We've talked about this numerous times over the last few months, the situation in particular. Taven Bryan has shown me nothing, nothing, not a single thing that warrants him being on this team, even past uh, you know, the roster cuts prior to this upcoming season. I, I really don't 
you know, I have no faith in, in what he's shown me on film, on the field, really anything. So there's no surprise to me here that they're not picking up that fifth-year option. Uh, but again, no surprise also that Urban is saying the right things. We want him here. We need him here. He's still on your roster. He still takes up one of those roster spots right now. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, who's out there on the street, I think you're pretty comfortable with keeping him here to at least see what he can do. But the future is not bright for Taven Bryan in Jacksonville. Yeah, he was an upside developmental pick when he when he was drafted in 2018 in the first round. Obviously, he hasn't developed into what you need. He is a guy that does have an enticing physical skill set, has not been able to put it together. But they'll give him a shot this summer, it looks like, and see if he can carve out a, a role on this team as a rotational player or just a bottom-of-the-roster type of guy. Um, and... Uh, could be his last shot, honestly. If he doesn't make the team this year, I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams clamoring to sign him. No, there won't. I mean, it just very seldom do you see this kind of situation where a player, especially a first-round draft pick, highly regarded, um, no matter how you put it, needs to excel and play at a first-round talent those kind of guys don't get second chances. Those aren't the kind of guys that you see, you know, go on elsewhere, get another shot, get another team willing to, you know, take them on a fresh slate. They've shown what they can do. They've shown um, obviously on tape and, and everything else that they haven't lived up to that expectation. Those aren't the guys you take flyers on. Now your third, fourth, fifth round guys who maybe didn't pan out that you saw a lot prior to coming into the league. Those are the guys you take flyers on. But like you said, this might be his last shot, his last real attempt to keep himself in the league past this year yeah and I wouldn't be shocked to see another team you know maybe a team like New England who always seems to kind of if you have a guy that they thought was talented coming out you don't yeah it hasn't worked out with you they kind of go give him a shot but yeah if, if he can't make this team I'll say this if he can't make this team I don't think he's going to make it on any other team uh he might get picked up but I don't think he'll stick around long now for scouts some of the guys who helped bring you Taven Bryan, among others, uh, they were fired after the draft. Uh, Chris Driggers, director of pro personnel, Andy Dingler, assistant director of player personnel, Mark Ellens, director of college scouting, Paul Roll, assistant director of college scouting. Uh, those guys have all been fired. Wish them the best, obviously. They were holdovers from the past regime. A lot of them have been around here for a long time, but the past regime wasn't getting it done. Now they stuck around through the draft process because they had done so much work on this upcoming draft already. So this is kind of commonplace to see some scouting guys uh, fired after the draft because you don't want to fire your scouts in the middle of a draft process. You want to do it afterwards. So uh, best of luck to them. Obviously, they were not part of the future plans with uh, general manager Trent Baalke and head coach Urban Meyer. So hopefully they can land some new jobs somewhere else. But uh, uh, fresh, this is just another example of the new era starting in Jacksonville. Yeah, like you said, no surprises here. I mean, this is known as the Black Monday for the scouting department. Um, It's a full overhaul. I mean, top to bottom, Urban has made it very clear that he is going to set this franchise up um, exactly the way he wants to. So so no surprises here. You hope that they get another shot down the road, but kind of excited to see the new 
regime and how they set up their scouting department, who they bring in. Maybe we'll get some notable names, maybe not. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys coming out of the college world, the college ranks, uh, to help Urban going forward. Yeah, and perhaps some more Trent Balky guys as well. Um, the Jags, they had to part ways with four players to get down a 90-man on to get down to a 90-man roster. Joe Giles Harris was the most notable name, but they also released linebacker Nate Evans, safety Doug Middleton, and cornerback Nate Metters. Uh, So, yeah, Joe Giles Harris is the only real surprise there. Nate Evans, he was kind of a good story last year um, as an undrafted rookie, but Joe Giles Harris, he really kind of came on. He formerly was more of an off-the-ball, middle-slash-weak-side type linebacker. They kind of put him in a pass-rushing Sam linebacker role at the end of last year had some nice results. I guess the current regime kind of didn't, didn't see enough from that from him to keep him around. I mean, you're making room for these new guys. Um, That was definitely one of the most, like I said, notable cuts, a guy that you saw on the field a good bit last year. Um, But you know, there's, there's, new guys coming in there's you know guys that they need to get looks at that i think that they're probably expecting to have more of an impact um this upcoming season so hopefully again he gets off somewhere else and gets another chance um but i think you got to be really excited about the guys they have coming in and and the guys that are going to replace and supplant the guys that just left um you know you're getting younger hopefully you're getting better and, and you know you're grooming your talent all the way through again you're going to see a lot of these guys who were part of the old regime are brought in by Dave and some of the other scouting departments. You're going to see those kind of guys kind of get pushed out, unfortunately, with the regime change. Just what you see every time this kind of stuff happens. Yeah, and you'll see it even more throughout the next couple of years where they're they're really getting their guys in there and probably getting rid of maybe some more names that people around Jacksonville kind of like, but... They're from past regime, and they're just not quite the fit that this regime wants. Now, make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markoski, myself, at Jordan DeLugo, and, of course, follow Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. One more little bit of news. I say little bit of news, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Tim Tebow revealed last Thursday he worked out for the Jaguars as a tight end. He's likely to join the team based on all the comments made by the front office and coaching staff this past week, including Tony Khan talking about him uh, on an interview. Sounded like it's pretty much a done deal. They were just waiting to get through the draft to make sure. But uh, he was one hell of an athlete when he came out in the draft about 10 years ago, but I really don't know what he's capable of right now. It's kind of a head-scratcher. I mean, to me... Obviously, the only connection is Urban, um, and and I'm kind of split between the feeling of well, it's just you know we're still on 90 man rosters here. It's it's just one roster spot. It's very low risk. Worst case scenario, it doesn't pan out and he gets cut and you move on. But the other half of me, you know, is kind of sitting here thinking this is the circus stuff that I didn't want to see when I found out that Urban Meyer was going to be our head coach. You know, strictly. No BS, stick to football, stick to things at hand. There's no reason why, in my opinion, that you should be working this guy out for your tight end spot. There's really not 
anything in my mind that you've seen over the past few years that would lead you to believe this this man can still play football. Yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah, he's in great shape. But it's been six years, Jordan. Six. You know, since this guy's seen any game action, I, I just it, it baffles me. And, and this is the kind of thing that I did not want to see. I don't want to see the theatrics. I don't want to see the circus. I just want to see Urban stick to football, stick to what's in front of him and, and, you know, don't go chasing dreams and, and, and just nonsense and making moves that in my opinion, don't benefit you as a team going forward. Well, the thing is we just don't know either way where he's at as a football player right now. If he's capable of helping this 90 man roster um, and competing for a job, like is he the best athlete you have at tight end? Probably. So uh, I kind of get it from that perspective. Um, When you look at his testing numbers, again, those were about 10 years ago, but they were off the charts when you look at it from a tight end uh, perspective, especially that vert and that three cone, which you kind of see the explosiveness and you see the uh, agility there. I don't have a single problem with it. I think it's going to be good for fanfare, which obviously – you know, that doesn't help your football team really, but it helps the business side of things. And then it's going to be good for the culture, I believe. I saw Jihad Ward tweeted about it. He wasn't a big fan, but if he can help you, great. If not, I don't believe it's some move that is going to really cost you anything in the long run. Right. But, but it's a stunt nonetheless. And, th- and that's what bothers me, you know. I don't think Urban looks at it that way at all, but I understand what you're saying. As yeah, well. and he's got to be living under a rock, and and this these are the kind of things that, and I understand that I, um, that everyone's you know going to have their own opinion and disagree on it. But do you think this would happen anywhere else except for Jacksonville or except for where Urban Meyer no, was the head coach? This is a unique situation. This is a guy who groomed Tim Tebow, recruited him out of high school. They have a special relationship. It's a different situation than anywhere else in football. You're right, but I've never. This has never happened outside of this as well. And what I mean by that is look at this situation. Like you said, a guy who's groomed a guy all the way through has this relationship at, at some point, you know, that, that comes to an end, not your relationship with him, but just the reality. And then the, the fact of the matter is, is that th- this can't keep happening. This never happened at all. You know, and I don't know if the situation has ever popped up to where, you know, a coach finally gets a shot, has had a former player, from six years ago or however long, you know, however long it's been, get another shot. I just, I, it's mind boggling in my opinion, but you know, like you said, it could work out. It is odd. It is odd, but it's low risk. And we really do not know what type of football shape he is in right now. We just have no idea. So I'm willing to hold or reserve judgment on it until later on. And, you know, Tim Tebow is Jacksonville's favorite son, so it is an interesting story. I guess you could call it a publicity stunt. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable, but I don't know where he's at as a football player. Last time I saw him play football, he looked like a guy that could play tight end. So we'll see how it all goes. But as you mentioned, that was six years ago. So uh, I'm sure plenty of people will have their opinions on that. I'm of the opinion that it's less of a story than everyone's going to make it out to be, but that's all good. So yeah, NFL draft, you may have heard of it. This little event, three day event NFL puts on every year, college players coming into the NFL. Uh, The Jaguars held the number one pick in franchise for the first time in franchise history, 
which is another just unbelievable stat that the Jaguars have never had the first overall pick um, with how poor they have performed over the last decade and a half. But it's time, Jeremy. Let's get into all the players the Jaguars selected. We are going to go through round by round, pick by pick, and just kind of talk about scouting report, fit with the team, what we think about the pick, And obviously, we have to start with Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. He was so professional uh, throughout the weekend, so likable, I feel. Uh, He set the record for Fanatics for jersey sales on opening night of the draft. But, you know, Jacksonville doesn't have any fans, fans, doesn't have a big enough market. Right. He's a playmaker, will be a leader, and the face of the franchise from day one. He's ready to get to Jacksonville and get to work, and I'm ready to see it. He is the best draft pick in Jacksonville Jaguars history. And I can go on a limb with saying that before we've even seen him play, just based off his pedigree and based off of what we've seen, not only just in college, but in high school and everything that we've seen from him on the field, everything we've seen from him as a person. There's literally... Yeah, and based on the process as right, well, right? Everything. I mean, there has not been one flaw. Not one flaw. Through every draft we've ever been through, everyone's had some sort of flaw. I mean, it always happens. Something comes out, whether it's a smokescreen, negativity, um, you know, players talking about their relationship with, you know, whomever, um, you know, things come up nowadays on Twitter and people get, you know, all their past tweets dug up and everything. Nothing at all came out of the Trevor Lawrence camper or the Trevor Lawrence background or anything at all that you could put on his card as a negative remark. The only thing was that article that was written that I think in my opinion was looked way too far into and and taken way out of context, but you couldn't ask for a better start to the revolution of this franchise. In my opinion, You, you, you can't, you got your guy at the most important position in sports, in my opinion. And if everything goes right and everything goes the way that everyone expects it to, he's going to be here a long time. The Jaguars are going to be a cornerstone in the NFL for a long time coming. Yeah, you got your quarterback. You got three guys that have proven track records of developing quarterbacks. Urban Meyer, you could call him a quarterback whisperer in college. I mean, he got the most out of every single guy he's coached. Um, And then Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, very good with quarterbacks in their own right. Both of them have helped with Russell Wilson uh, and various other guys throughout their careers. I don't think you could ask for a better situation from that perspective. Um, There's really not much else to say. Uh, If you're looking for some Trevor Lawrence gear, we might have something over at GenJag.com. We've got our A New Hope tees still on pre-order tomorrow, Thursday, final day, Thursday, May 6th, final day to pre-order those and make sure you get one on the first batch. They will be more limited after that. So you can go check that out again at genjack.com. Now, we already knew that was happening. That was the worst kept secret in football. Uh, Urban Meyer said after the pick happened, you know, they they knew that he was going to be the pick in late January, early February. Now, what we didn't know was what the heck the Jaguars were going to do after that. We knew they wanted speed. I think they got a lot of speed, especially with this next pick. At number 25 overall, the Jaguars, they 
stood pat here. They didn't make a move. They didn't go up or down. Took Trevor Lawrence's teammate, his running back, Travis Etienne. Now, I think you and I, uh, based on our brief conversation we already had, I think we're going to have some differing opinions on this pick. Why don't you go ahead and start? So it just kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. Um, I mean, first thoughts right off the bat were, you know, why? Why do you take a running back at 25? You just had a season where you saw an undrafted free agent post some of the best numbers for a rookie, um, especially obviously for an undrafted free agent in NFL history at that position. You found a guy who you're going to be able to lean on, your bell cow back, uh, you know, three down guy. He's not great in the passing game, but he can show him that he can be effective. So it just it just didn't make any sense to me when you have the glaring needs on the team and you have these guys that we've all looked at on our boards as guys that we pegged at 25 still available. I mean, they could have had the pick of, of pretty much anybody at that point. Um, you know, if you go back and look and see who's who's all available, these were guys that have been talked about repeatedly. Barmore, uh, Rich Grant, Tevin Jenkins, Trayvon Mori. I mean, you, the list goes on. The, the draft really shaped up in an odd way to me. Um, so I, I wasn't too thrilled about that pick. Um, I don't know if it was more of a best player available or a reach for familiarity for Trevor. Um, now, knowing ETN and and the kind of player that I think the Jaguars will have him be, he's going to do a lot of things. He's going to be an offensive weapon and be a tool. But from my standpoint, that need just it wasn't there. It wasn't there, and I think they reached. Yeah, when you talk about need, I agree. This was not the biggest need at all on the team. You had a lot of offensive talent already. Urban Meyer, he wants more. If they didn't draft Travis Etienne, if Kadarius Toney had fallen to 25, he would have been the pick. Meyer talked about that. He was heartbroken that uh, he went at number 20 to the Giants. So I think they were going to add an offensive weapon, playmaker, slasher, as Urban Meyer would call it, slot back, as I would call it, a guy who's going to line up in the backfield, in the slot, out wide, all that stuff. When you look at Travis Etienne, the player, I've done a lot of work on him. He's actually ranked in my 20s for my big board, um, my second-ranked running back. And he has speed and contact balance like no one else in this class. Those two traits combined it's just no one can touch it he's going to be the slasher slot back like i said he's going to catch passes out of the backfield he's going to catch passes out of the slot he's going to be put in motion often i think you're going to see him getting 10 to 15 touches a game and i think you're going to see a big play waiting to happen and he's another guy with high character who is going to help trevor lawrence be more comfortable in jacksonville and he's going to help the Jaguars offense have more big plays, which Urban Meyer has talked about over and over and over again this offseason. They need more big plays. They need more playmakers. Travis Etienne is a walking big play. And he's a guy that if you were drafting him at 25 to be your bell cow running back early on, I think you might be making a mistake. But you're drafting him to be your Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, that type of player, 
I think it was a home run. But is he that type of player? Now, I, I absolutely and think I, and he I is. think he does have the big play capability there. Don't get me wrong, but when you're picking in the first round, you're not going to get a guy that that is just a gadget guy for you. And that's where I struggle with this. I agree with what you're saying, but that is not a gadget. But he, okay, you can call it a gadget guy. And Urban Meyer's offense, that gadget guy, is one of the most important players on that right. field. Bottom line. But this is the NFL, and and I think this is where things differ a little bit. It's still going to be Urban Meyer's offense, and you've seen what Curtis Samuel can do. He went out and got paid this offseason because he fills that role. Travis Etienne is going to fill that but same But what you're role. doing is you're taking – however you want to slice it, look at it, whatever. What you're doing is taking that guy number 25, you're, you're cutting into – the guy who's there already, his workload. You're going to be cutting into James Robinson's workload regardless. Now, if Trevor Lawrence wasn't here, if the Jaguars needed to lean on the running game a little bit more, I would start to lean towards this pick being okay a little bit more because you're going to have more carries for these guys to split. But you're not. You're going to have. Oh, you're going to have a balanced you, offense but, here, though, in terms of you're, you're going to have a quarterback. You have a quarterback now who is. You're not going to be scared to throw the ball. This guy's going to be flinging it all over the place. And he's going to be part and of it. he is, but I just, I don't, first of all, if you're drafting this guy, if you're drafting this guy to be your bell cow every single down back, that's different. And that would make it even better, in my opinion. Where we differ is the fact that you're See, not. I think it would be worse. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> that's it's, so funny. We just have opposing views on that. He's back. not ready to be your bell cow back. He's ready to be this role that he's going to play in Jacksonville you saw it time and time again they're going to steal so much from Clemson and so much from Urban Meyer's offenses of the past I think it's just a perfect fit and I just don't think we're going to agree yeah on this. I think you're right you're, you're you're you don't take a running back in the first round we, we've, we've both come to agreements on that um, nine times out of ten you don't so I think it makes it but do you take a playmaker yes yes you do but not when you already have one at that position who's proven to be a stud, a guy that you can lean on. You go get bigger, and and, and this fits right into the the need versus best player available. First of all, I don't think he was the best player available, uh, in my opinion. I think he was he's very, very he's very close, but I don't think he ball. was. And then I think it was so close that when you have bigger glaring needs on your team, you fill that with your first round pick. If you want to go get a guy who's going to be a different type of back, an explosive playmaker, home run, whatever you want to call it. You could have gotten that guy in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Why'd you waste number twenty-five on him? I don't think that's true. And so, I, but, see, I, I disagree. I think you can look at a guy like Chuba. Or, What's running back? You can go get some of these other running backs. Who I'm not saying they're not, they're, they're not going to be ETM, but you don't need you don't need that. You have James Robinson. You don't need a guy who's going to be a, a, a number one on your depth chart when you've already got one. That's what I'm saying. You can take that pick later. You're still going to need to break up the carries. You're going to need to break up the touches. I get that. Go get another guy that has a similar skill set later in the draft rather than doubling up and picking that guy in the first round. That's all I'm saying. I just I don't think there's a guy with a similar skill set in this class, to be completely honest. At 215, with his contact balance and speed, there's just not another similar player. You can say there's guys that can fill that role, but ETN, I think, is going to be a feature guy in this offense, whether it be on third down as a back, whether it be in the slot, whether it be making linebackers and slot corners just pause for a moment when he goes in motion because you don't know what the Jaguars are going to do. I think it's going to work out perfectly, and we'll see how it all goes, but we've got a lot more picks to get to. Number 33. 
First pick of the second round. First pick of day two. Tyson Campbell, cornerback from Georgia, six foot one, 193 pounds. He has got speed and length. He rarely wins at the catch point, and he needs to get a lot stronger, in my opinion, to be able to play more physical early on in routes. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of press man in this Jaguars' new defensive scheme with Joe Cullen. For me, this was a reach. Absolutely. We we both agreed um, in our prior conversation, this was the worst pick in the draft. And kind of piggybacking on 25 here, it made the ETN pick look a little bit better to me originally going into 33, knowing who was still there. I started to stomach it a little bit. I was okay with it, knowing that all of these guys that we pegged at 25 are still there at 33. It made me think, wow, man, they, they really did go ahead and get a guy who's going to be an explosive playmaker. They got him a little bit earlier, maybe a little unnecessary, but all those players that you wanted in those two spots are still there. So you can go out and get one of those guys, go get Barmore, go get uh, Mooring, go get Richie Grant, go get somebody. And they sell for Campbell. And that was kind of a head scratcher to me. I didn't have him pegged above any of those guys. And unless they know something we don't, or unless he fits a scheme or, or what they're looking to do better than, than than we have an idea of. This one doesn't make sense. I think it was a reach for need. Uh, they felt like they were weak at the cornerback position, which I mean, let's, let's be frank. They are, they're weak all over the defensive side of the ball. I get you've got Griffin. Oh, I completely disagree about being, I weak get, I get you've got Griffin and I get you've got Henderson and we have, um, you know, great hopes for Sidney, Sidney Jones, Jones and, and even Trey Herndon. We've seen some, but the fact of the matter is the defense has been terrible. Now, I don't I don't think that it's the worst position group on the defensive side of the ball, obviously. I think you could have gone elsewhere, but I just I see again players picked after who, in my opinion, were better than Campbell and better uh, that you know, he wasn't even close to being the best player available and it was a reach. So I think it's a double negative here. It's a double double bad pick. I, I just you could have gotten Barmore, a guy where that defensive line like you said, now there's character questions about Barmore, and I get that. And I, I do believe what you're going to see with this regime is they're going to get guys that fit their culture. And I don't think that they were sold on Barmore being that. And I also don't think that they were sold on Barmore being that type of player as a first round pick. And a lot of people weren't. I mean, the whole NFL wasn't. He fell much further than anyone expected. He did. He did, and I can understand that. But even if we're not talking about just Barmore, you know, what all those guys that you talked about, Richie Grant, Trayvon Mooring, I mean, there was just more there. And I thought that those guys would, A, have been more impactful, B, were better players available, and C, fit a need on the team that was bigger than cornerback. This kind of, you know, takes me back to the Taven Bryan pick. And I know it's not necessarily the same because this defense is not anywhere near where it was back then, but it looks like they reached and drafted into a position of strength um, on their defensive side of the ball. I don't think the defense is strong at all, really anywhere, to be honest with you, besides maybe uh, you know the linebacking core has some solid pieces there. But out of all the position groups that I would have pegged for a top draft pick on defense, cornerback was not one of them. Yeah, Urban Meyer came out and talked about they like his versatility. They like that he played safety in high school. Um I will say there are some moments on tape where he's lined up in the slot and his length causes problems. 
in that small area. He's so long, it causes problems at the catch point. But for the most part, this is a guy that is sticky in coverage, that once the ball is in the air, once you're at the critical moment in the play, that's where he fails. And that is just not good when you're talking about drafting someone at number 33 overall over a bunch of players that are going to be immediate impact starters. In my opinion, Tyson Campbell is not going to be that. And it is similar to the Taven, Taven Bryan pick in that you are banking on traits. You are not banking on production. He allowed 65% completion percentage in, in uh, college at Georgia. That's not good uh, for an outside corner that's been starting for several years for a guy that's going to be drafted at number 33. He just doesn't win uh, at the catch point. I think he's competitive. I just don't know if you're ever going to get him to become a guy that has those instincts when the ball's in the air. And that, so in, in that sense, it is similar to Taven Bryan banking on those traits. And I think it's a risk. I do think the Jaguars think his speed and length will win in the slot. That's what I'm guessing that they're thinking. I I don't know if I agree with them, and I would not have taken him. Here. Yeah, that's that's the only saving grace for this pick is I think that they realize the deficiencies they're going to have in the nickel and in the slot. I mean, it just the game of football dictates that your slot guy, your slot corner, your nickel corner, however you want to put it, has to be a guy who's going to get up, make contact, um, be able to cover a multitude of different types of receivers. Um, you know, you're going to have your tight ends, your running backs, your uh, slot guys. They're going to have to cover pretty much every type of, of pass catcher out there. And I understand that the Jags, at least from my perspective, don't have a lot of guys uh, from that cornerback room, from that DB room that are that are going to come up and make solid contact. So hopefully where he does excel is, is in the, the run game um, and in the, the short passing game. Hopefully he can be a secure tackler, but I do think he that's really is the only that. thing that I could not a lot. That, that's the only thing that, that makes sense to me. It's the only thing that I can look at this pick and say, okay, I, I could see that, you know, being their motivation and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but everything else, it just, doesn't pop out on tape like you said you know he is long he is athletic but there's not some great stuff on that tape we've seen you know quite a few receivers have their way with him like you said a 65 percent completion percentage for a cornerback i mean that's ungodly that's a quarterback's completion percentage being 65 would just that's that's great and you've you've got one guy running up that number that's insane if that's what you're doing at the nfl level that's one thing. In college, for a 33rd overall pick, you got to be in the 50s at worst. Uh, just statistically, when you look at the best guys coming out throughout uh, draft history, recent draft history. So yeah, this is a reach. I think if you want to ask, okay, well, you're so smart, Jordan. What cornerbacks would you have drafted instead of Tyson Campbell? Well, one, I probably wouldn't have taken a cornerback. Two, if I was going to take a guy that I think can be versatile and defend the slot, Trayvon Merrick can do that easily, and he's shown that he can do that and be a playmaker. Um, And then you look at Asante Samuel, he can do that. He's not as long, and uh, I think that's probably why you look at Tyson Campbell and why he's a Jaguars pick. Also, that he was a former five-star. Urban Meyer seems to be kind of obsessed with getting those guys that had the traits coming out of high school. 
But yeah, I would have easily taken Asante Samuel, who has the versatility to play in the nickel or outside. And then I would have also taken a guy, Elijah Molden, ahead of Tyson Campbell. Um, He's not the speedster, but he's a football player uh, that is tough as nails, and he has versatility in that he can play nickel or safety. Um, So yeah, I think this was a miss. Hopefully the Jaguars... We'll be able to develop him and prove us all wrong on this, but I think it was a reach for sure. Now, moving to number 45, you've got another guy who, in my opinion, is a reach. Left tackle Walker Little hasn't played a down of football since week one of 2019. He does show bend, some flexibility, some balance. I think he has good functional athleticism. Uh, He's six foot seven. 313 pounds. Um, and for being six foot seven, he's not as long as you would think he would be. Uh, he needs to play more consistently with his leverage and with his angles. Uh, his final game in 2019, which was the final game he's played uh, because he had that ACL tear and then opted out in 2020, that was a good showing. He didn't give up a single pressure. I thought he looked like he improved a lot of his deficiencies and inconsistencies in that game. And um, he showed more as a run blocker in that game, Try, getting some uh, explosion uh, in the run game, getting some guys off the line of scrimmage a little bit. Uh, but that was one game. That was the last thing we've seen from him since 2019. And so you're talking about a risk. This is a guy... You haven't seen him play since he tore that ACL. He did work out because he is healthy now, um, and he tested pretty well in some areas. But uh, I'm more hopeful about this Walker Little pick than I am Tyson Campbell, but I'm still critical of it. I think that the player that they could be getting maybe open up their eyes just a little bit too much. Now, I think as an offensive lineman – you are probably better equipped to come back um, from injury and then again from opting out and you know get yourself back into game shape more than you would be if you were a receiver or a running back. I think there are certain positions in football that you can't just pick back up like you never left. However, offensive line, I think, is one of those positions. I think if you keep your size, you keep your drive, you keep your strength – you can hop right back in there. So I think what they're expecting him to be and what he can be based off of what we've seen uh, throughout his career at Stanford, even before that, you know, the, the, the prospect, the recruit that he was, this guy can be one of the top offensive linemen in the league. The question is, can you get him there? Can you get him back to being one of those top performers? The size is there. You know, like you said, he's not as long, but he's big. Um, you know, he doesn't have the extremely long arms, but that's why he's, you know, probably going to be a swing tackle, can maybe play inside. You took him at 45, so, you know, there's not as much pressure on you to really peg him as a tackle right out of the gate. If this guy can show that he can improve, um, you know, can can get back to game shape, get back right into the swing of things, I think he could be a very versatile player all on the offensive line. I don't hate it. I think he provides some depth um, in an area where we need depth. We need players, especially with you know the injury history that the Jaguars offensive line has seen over the past few years. You need a guy who can be ready to play any position at any time. And I think Walker Little gives you that flexibility. 
Yeah, I just don't know if he can play inside because of the leverage issues at being 6'7". I just think he would get blown up by some of these uh, interior defensive linemen. But I think he might get blown up by some of the edge rushers he would face too. He's not ready, I don't believe, to come in and play yet. I think it'll take a little bit of time. And fortunately in Jacksonville with this fit, he does have time. Cam Robinson is starting on the left side. Jawan Taylor on the right side. Don't know what their futures look like, but in 2021, those are going to be your starters unless something major changes. I'm not nearly as critical of the Walker Little pick as as I am Tyson Campbell. I have Walker Little in my pre-draft uh, top 150 ranked significantly higher than Tyson Campbell. I still had a third-round grade on him because you have not seen him since his injury. That is an issue. That does give it inherently more risk. And prior to his injury, outside of the one game in 2019, he was fairly inconsistent, uh, especially as a run blocker. Obviously, you care more about the pass blocking, but there were some deficiencies there as well. I think when you look at his overall talent base and skill set, I get why you would be excited about him at 45. And if he had played in 2020 or been able to play in 2019 the whole season, Maybe you'd be looking at this as a no-brainer, no-risk pick, but the way it currently stands, I do think there's a fair amount of risk involved. And when you look at Campbell, you look at Little, you're talking about two five-star recruits, two guys that Urban Meyer has known about for years, and two guys that he's banking on their upside. It really contradicts Urban's um, message that they were going to go out and get four impact playmakers right away. Obviously, you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be an impact player. I expect ETN to be an impact player because of all the things he can do and, and the different ways you can line him up uh, across the offensive side of the ball. But Campbell and Little here really kind of head scratchers when you when you think about their message going in, which was first four picks are going to be four immediate impact players. These last two guys, they're not that. Yeah, I don't think they are. I mean, you could say Little's going to push people, Campbell's going to push people, but is that really an immediate impact? I don't know. That's up for debate, I suppose. Now, their final pick of day three, or excuse me, of day two, the first pick of the third round, this is far and away their best pick on day two. Andre Sisco, safety, Syracuse. Um, Now, he comes with risk as well. He is still not recovered from a torn ACL that he suffered in 2020. So this is an injured guy. Again, you look at Trent Baalke's history of drafting guys with knee injuries. This falls right in line with that. So there's that risk there. There's more risk with this pick than if if you're drafting a guy that's healthy. That's just the way it is. But when you look at what Andre Sisco can do on the field, he absolutely should have been a second-round pick, I would say. Um, Speed, very, very fast. Excellent range. Amazing playmaker with the ball in the air. I mean... He's got, uh, what, 14 interceptions and 20-something career games. A lot of pass deflections. He can absolutely lay the wood uh, coming downhill. But he is inconsistent in his pursuit uh, due to discipline, angles, urgency. He's another guy that if you could have seen him play in 2020, I, you'd feel much better I th- about I think it. with medicine, the, the way things have, have- been progressing in that regard there is less concern for his knee than there would have been in the past 
I think this guy is going to come in uh, and be an impact player. Like you just talked about, 24 career games, 15 total turnovers. Dude is an absolute ball hawk. And I know that you mentioned it. You know What's what's the, the most important thing a defense can do? Give the ball back to your offense. He has proven time and time again that's what he can do. He obviously slid due to the injury concerns and all that kind of good stuff, but when you go back and look at the trend over the last couple of years of guys coming into the league off injury, I guarantee you, and I'd probably put some money on it, that the success rate is starting to vastly improve. No longer do you see guys come in and, and, and flame out as they're coming off of, of injuries. Now, I mean, even if you look so far as back as, as Todd Gurley, had a couple solid years, it's catching up to him, and I understand that, but... Cisco is not going to be a guy that's putting up that much wear and tear on his body, unless he's flying around just drilling guys, which I hope he does. He's he's obviously shown the physicality on tape. Um, does have you know some inconsistencies, like I said, with pursuit. But all in all, this guy is a see ball, get ball kind of guy. Exactly what you need on this defense. Yeah, and he didn't start in high school until his senior year. So you talk about maybe more experience, more playing time. He can get even better when it comes to discipline and the pursuit uh, issues that you kind of see pop up on tape. But yeah, you want a guy when you have an offense like the Jaguars have with Trevor Lawrence at the helm, all the good running backs you have, all the good receivers you have, you want a guy that is going to get you the ball back. And sometimes I think that's better than a guy that's going to play with consistency. You want a guy that is going to give Trevor the damn ball. And I think Urban's going to preach that uh, throughout the summer, and we'll see that hopefully this fall. Um, Again, I'd like to make sure to remind everyone to check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. And again, Thursday the 6th is going to be the last day to get your pre-orders in for that. A new hope to go check it out. Jenjag.com. That was the last pick of day two. We're going to move into day three here. We're going to start moving a little faster on these guys. Um, obviously your day one and two picks are the most important ones that you've got. And uh, we're going to get through the rest of the draft. And then we're going to get to the mailbag questions. Number one Oh six overall. Top pick of day three, top pick of the fourth round, defensive tackle, Jay Tufele. Now, when you want to talk about the Jaguars reaching, you know, for Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, this was the opposite. This was an absolute steal. Jay Tufele should have been a second or third round pick at worst. Uh, He's fast for his size. He's powerful. um, And he's going to play three tech. He's going to have some versatility. He's 6'1", but... He uh, he benched 30 reps. He ran five flat 40. He's a guy with really good explosiveness, really good athleticism, and a lot of strength that is honestly another one of these guys that isn't fully developed yet because he didn't have enough time in college. Opted out in 2020. The Pac-12 situation was weird. Most of the good draft-eligible Pac-12 players opted out because the Pac-12 originally was not going to play football change their minds the rest of the guys that had already opted out were like we're just going to stay opted out so j2 fele i think this was one of the steals of the draft for the jaguars and could end up being one of the steals of the draft in general with his ability to penetrate and uh, just play power strong explosive fast can split a double team 
can take up space, does everything you want to see a defensive lineman do, especially an interior defensive lineman. And like you said, not a finished product. He's got some growing to do, but the fact that he's shown so much and still has room to improve, that's exciting to me. When you talk about guys that have room to improve, where are they now? You know, he's not a finished product, but where he is now is a really good player who I think he can make an impact immediately. These are one of the guys that you expected them to take early on. Not Tufele specifically, but an impact player. He's going to be an impact player. Um, and, you know, the flexibility due to his size is going to be something that we can look at as well. Some people would say, well, he's a little bit undersized. Not really. He's strong. He's thick. He's big. And at 6'1", he's got a good uh, ability to get up under people's pads, really displace offensive linemen. It can really be an issue. And when you look at the scheme that the Jaguars are going to be bringing out this year, a lot of that 3-4, some of that 4-3, a multiple scheme as well, he can play inside as your as, as one of your defensive tackles in the 4-3. He can play as your nose in the 3-4, and he can even play one of those strong side 3-4 end positions as well. So he can really do it all. Yeah, I think so. And you'll see him improve over his first couple seasons a lot. Um, just a great pick. Great, great pick. Should have been a second or third round pick for sure. I would much rather get J2 Fele in the fourth round than Christian Barmore in the first, if I'm being completely honest. I, I can I can see that. Um, wouldn't necessarily have been where I would have went. I think they're similar. It's upside. just the, it's the complete body of work in that picture. You know, like you said, not a complete finished product. That could be a good thing. That that could mean, you know, where he's at now, he can go so much further. Um, and, and like I said, you'd like to see that. So hopefully he can be everything that we thought in our minds. Barmore would have been at 25. If you get that kind of player at 106, that might be the seal of, of the NFL draft history. Uh, now, that might be a stretch. Might be a stretch, a little bit of a homer there, but <laughs> okay. Tom Brady's yes, like, okay. Uh, hello. Right, maybe the second <laughs> biggest steal in NFL draft history. But again, if you, if you get a guy at 106 who's going to produce like you expected a guy at 25 or 33 to, that, that's a win. Yeah, and he could definitely potentially do that. Um, Jordan Smith, Jaguars traded up to 121, gave up 170 and 206, I believe, to get 121. They gave up 130, 170, and 206, I believe, to get 121 and 209. So you're trading up for a guy that's an edge, former, you know, fairly big recruit. I mean, originally went to Florida, got in some trouble, transferred uh, to Juco and then got to UAB, but he's another really long edge player, um, was fairly productive at UAB, but to give up draft capital and reach, again, I'll use that word reach for an unathletic guy that isn't strong. I don't, I don't get this one. I would have loved for them to sit there at 130 and take Quincy Roche or Jonathan Cooper, both of whom you know can come in and contribute as situational pass rushers. Maybe they see some more untapped potential in Jordan Smith than those guys, but I don't It's see a project it. pick. I mean, there, there's no way around it. It is what it is. I mean, the, the physicality is there, the physical aspects. I mean, he's 6'7", 255, or something ridiculous like that. That's a guy that you can hopefully see learning how to bend the edge, get his hands up, really cause some disruption to the quarterback in the pocket. 
But yeah, I, I just I don't I can't really fathom that trade up there. If you're going to trade up for that guy, hopefully it would have been earlier in the draft. You know, not 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 a project. And when when I say that guy, I mean if you've got a guy that you think is really going to be an impact player right off the bat, that's who you go up and get earlier. This project pick, man, I just I think you could have gotten some depth picks a little bit later with some of that stuff that you traded. Probably could have got a guy comparable to Jordan Smith somewhere in that round as well or, or with one of your later picks. When they were moving up, I thought they were going a completely different direction. Um, you know, To be quite honest with you, I still had my eye on Tyler Shelvin, who went the very next pick. I would not have hated back-to-back defensive tackle picks there. But unless they can really mold him into a really, really good third-down edge rushing kind of guy, really a pass-rush specialist, this is a head-scratcher for me. And maybe they can. You know, he did have some similar testing numbers, uh, trait numbers to Zadarius Smith. So you could kind of get why maybe Joe Cullen's like salivating over this guy kind of, but he's a project. He's not going to be ready this year. Maybe in a year or two, you could see him paying some dividends, but I didn't really get that pick. 145 overall, you've got Luke Farrell, Ohio State tight end. Not the 29-year-old Major League Baseball pitcher. The 23-year-old tight end from Ohio State who did spend some time under Urban Meyer there. He will fill a role as another blocking tight end with Chris Manhurts there. And uh, I think there's some untapped potential as a receiver. He is a good athlete, does have good hands. And uh, I think it's a quality pick. I probably would have just took a flyer on Brevin Jordan at this point, to be completely honest, just because he... He didn't test well, but he looked athletic on tape, and he looked like a guy who could be a potential move tight end. I think Farrell is a more surefire. He's going to be good in that blocking tight end role, whereas Brevin Jordan, you're kind of taking a shot. But uh, I can't criticize this pick. I think it's a fine pick. I think it's another guy who's going to help with this culture, and he's going to fill a role. Luke Farrell is a guy that I talked about in our pre-draft podcast, if you remember – Obviously, all the signs pointed right to him. You got your Ohio State um, connection there. And, I mean, really, as the NFL starts to move and, and progress, especially on the offensive side of the ball, these blocking tight ends are guys that, that you're kind of seeing phase out of the game a little bit. Now, I personally think every roster needs one. You need an extension of that offensive line, a guy who um, can be an eligible receiver at any time. It adds you know, a little bit of, of mystery um, and, and has to keep the defense paying attention. But I don't think you have to draft those guys. I think you can go find those guys um, in the undrafted free agent market elsewhere rather than wasting a draft pick. I do think the difference is Farrell has athletic upside where a lot but again, of those guys are banking on something you haven't seen before. He had like, what, five career catches at Ohio State or, or something like that? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But banking on that this late in the draft is much different than banking right, on but that I can go find. Then that's true. But I can go find guys that do that off the street. Um, now, I don't mean that literally, obviously, for anybody out there who's listening and rolling their eyes. But I just don't think it's worth a draft pick right there. If I'm going to draft a tight end right there, why are we not going Brevin Jordan? Why are we not going a pass-catching, um, explosive offensive weapon? Now, I, I know there are question marks there, and, and it is more of a project again, but 
that is what you need. That's what you were looking for in the tight end. You you just signed Manhurts, who's a massive, massive blocking tight end. Probably not going to see a lot of pass catching uh, chances in this offense. So why did you double down on that? I, I don't think you really need two. I don't think they'll both make the roster now at this point, but Brevin Jordan would have been a different tight end, a pass catching tight end, add a different dynamic to that offense. I, I can't believe that they went tight end here and that's not the one they took. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you. I just think he is a guy that will make the team and will make the position better as a whole. So I get it. Um, this final guy, another guy I have big, bold letters, steal number two Oh nine wide receiver, Jalen camp. One of the best all around athletes you could ask for at wide receiver, a uh, six foot one built kind of like LaVisca Chenault, but I think he has a lot better twitch to him, a lot better agility. He just tested very well in all areas as an athlete. And then you pop on the tape what little there is because he played at Georgia Tech, which is a school that is just known for pumping out quality receivers that are much better in the NFL than they were in college. I think Jalen Camp will be that. Obviously, the Jaguars have a ton of depth at receiver, but Camp is going to be a guy that um, – if he gets in here and he does well on special teams, uh, when you look at some of the guys that the Jaguars have at receiver right now, Marvin Jones isn't going to be around forever. Uh, DJ Chark is only under contract through 2020. Hopefully they get something done there. But uh, Jalen Camp's a guy that could have some staying power with his attributes and with some of the limited opportunities you saw. He was able to track the ball down the field. He was able to win with physicality, win with athleticism. I just think it's a great pick. I can't this fault this pick at all. I mean, at this point in the draft, you're going to get a guy who you think you can mold into a great player. This is where you go get your project guy, your last pick. Go get somebody that you think no one else knows anything about, somebody that you think you can turn into a player better than the 31 other teams in the league can. When I look at everybody else picked after him, there's really nobody else that jumps out, maybe besides Trey Smith, because I think we could have used some interior offensive line depth, but you can't fault this. And you've right, got you do, you do. There. But again, seventh rounder, it's a, it's a, it's a shot in the dark. So I don't think Jalen Camp's a bad choice there. You've got a lot of upside, and if he, you know, becomes the player that I think this front office thinks he can be, it'd be an absolute steal. You know, a year or two down the road when Marvin Jones, like you said, is no longer with us, or you know, the the wide receiver room shakes out in whatever way it does. Um, You've got a guy that that for the next couple of years you can progress and really develop, hopefully into a great pass catcher. Yeah, adds a lot of competition to that bottom of the roster. Where if you make this roster at receiver, you're a damn good football player. Uh, that's that's the bottom line. Overall, I really do like what they did. Although I think they took some swings on day two that I I don't think were warranted. I like six of the nine picks, and you come away with Trevor Lawrence, who's a generational quarterback talent. Let's not mince words. He is a fantastic quarterback talent. Uh, you got him. You surrounded him with Travis Etienne, who's going to help his development. They're going to continue working together. Uh, you attempted to go get a potential starting offensive tackle of the future, and then I think what you did for the most part on day three was very good outside of the Jordan Smith one, but that's a guy that, you know, they liked a lot. I think Joe Cullen liked him a lot. They see him as potential, but just the guys like 
Lawrence, Etienne, Cisco, uh, Tufele, and Jalen Camp. I just love all those picks. And I think uh, this is part of the benefit of being a team that has a lot of draft picks is you have a chance to take some chances on players, whereas teams that don't have as many picks, you've got to hit on those picks. They took some swings, and if any of them turn into hits, they could end up being home runs. And that's what you got to hope for. you got to hope that this coaching staff, this front office, the locker room, everything, you're, you're, you get the best out of these players that you can possibly get. And if that's the case, if you get the best, the best out of these guys and you get them to be their absolute best and it's not good enough for whatever reason or, or you know their best just isn't what we thought it was, that is more of a reflection on the front office. But like you said, if you get the best out of some of these guys, you're going to get some really, really good football out of some of these picks. Some of them I don't think are going to really honestly do much for you. Um but with, with the amount of talent that you're bringing in, I think you're going to find some guys you're really happy with. Yeah, and I think you've got an overall pretty good talent base on this roster now. You need to see some guys improve. You need to see coaching help improve these guys. Uh, and we'll talk about you know season outlooks and all sorts of 53-man roster stuff much later down the road. But you got to feel a lot better about the talent base right now. Obviously, especially with Trevor Lawrence in the fold than you did just a few months ago. So overall, I think the Jaguars did a good job. They took some swings. Hopefully, they will prove me wrong with the Tyson Campbell pick, especially um, and Jordan Smith as well. So that's it for the draft. I mean, I can't believe it's come and gone already. But but that's where we are. May fifth here, Cinco de Mayo. Are, are you re- are you a little relieved um, that this is all kind of done now? I feel that there's kind of been a weight that's been kind of dropped off yeah. everyone's shoulders. No longer do we have to answer the questions of. Will the Jags take Trevor Lawrence, even though we all knew it was coming? But also, the purgatory that I feel like we've been in for years—it's—it's it's finally over, and it just—it's so relieving. Yeah, it really is. It's—it's it's a new era. Bottom line, it's the Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence era. I'm excited for it. Uh, ready to get into it. Um, a couple more players they did add via undrafted free agency. They added six. I think the really interesting guys here are Dylan Moses, who I'm guessing you're probably going to see kind of a redshirt year here for him. He really struggled in 2020, was not ready to come back from his injury, his knee injury that happened in 2019, I don't think. And it showed he's a guy that prior to that injury was considered one of the very best linebackers in college football and one of the top draft prospects at the position in college football. So if you can redshirt him, get him back to health, he's a guy that could pay some dividends and have some staying power in the long run. DJ Daniel, cornerback from Georgia. I hate to say it, but I I think he might be a better football player than Tyson Campbell Mm -hmm. from the same team. That's uh, see that that's the thing that that's tough. If that does turn out to be true, then you just wasted 33. I mean, you completely just wiped out on that one, and, and that's a tough pill to swallow already. I mean, he played better football than Tyson Campbell at Georgia. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you can talk about he doesn't quite have the, you know, the measurables or the traits 
that maybe a Tyson Campbell does. We're only five days out, man. Uh, You're already calling undrafted free agents better than than your. Right. Well, no, like, because I, I watch both of these guys. When I'm watching Tyson Campbell, I'm seeing DJ Daniel as well quite often. And um, yeah, he's not a fast guy, uh, four five forty, but he does have some good length, and he was more disruptive would... as a cornerback at Georgia than Tyson Campbell was, and he played very well at the Senior Bowl. So it's interesting. I don't want to go down the Tyson Campbell rabbit hole again, but I think at the very least you can be excited that that is a potential good undrafted free agent signing. And then you've got Josh Emator Bebe, however you say his name, from Illinois. He's one of the absolute freaks uh, that you can find in this draft. 46.5-inch vertical. Uh, he's not quite as fast uh, as you would like. I think he ran a 4.5-something 40 but when you talk about a guy that can go up and give get me it, one of these guys guy. to even perform half as well at their respective position that James Robinson did last year, and I'm happy. You're basically adding an extension of your draft class, um, and, and I think a lot of teams, what really propels them over the top is finding those undrafted free agent guys that are really going to not only push the guys around them to be better, you know, through competition, all that kind of stuff, but can come into the league and make an impact. You don't have to be the world's greatest player. You don't have to be, you know, a top guy in the NFL. We got really lucky with James Robinson, but if any of these guys can come make a roster and make some sort of impact, that's only going to create a better team from the bottom up. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be exciting. I think they did a good job. I think they did a really good job in undrafted free agency because all three of those guys I mentioned, Definitely could have been draft picks. Um, there's questions about them, but uh, you just you got Trevor. That's the most important thing. And Travis Etienne is absolutely going to help out on offense, regardless of the value there you might not like. But he is going to help your offense out a lot. J2 Felly is going to help out a lot. Andre Sisco, assuming he gets back to health, is going to help out a lot, even this year, uh, as long as he's able to get healthy before training camp, which he does plan on. So you got to be excited there. Now it's time to get into our mailbag. We haven't done one of these in a while. Wanted to give our listeners the opportunity to, you know, guide what we're going to talk about here a little bit. So the main questions are about tight end and there was a whole bunch of them. One thing I think people need to realize is that having a good tight end. Yeah, that's nice. But really, having the difference between a good NFL tight end and just like a decent core of tight ends. That's not, that's not where you're finding wins in this league. You're finding wins from the tight end position when you have the elite tight end. And, you know, they just haven't had the opportunity to get that this year. Um, Some of the questions here, why did we pass on Fryermuth? I think they passed on Fryermuth because they thought the guys they're picking have higher upside. Do I agree with that? Um, no, I'd, I would rather have Fryermuth than Campbell or Little, but they play more important positions in the grand scheme of things. And um, I think I think the Jaguars valued those positions more, and I think they valued those. I think there are a couple things that popped up with Fryermuth. Something that I've talked about 
many times is, is that that shoulder. That shoulder is just, I think, a big question, especially when you're talking about a guy who's going to be making contact off the line pretty much every single play. Um, you know, going up to get balls as well, the range of motion concerns with that shoulder. I think there's a lot there. I think also they had plans, um, plans to maybe trade for a tight end that, that probably fell through during the draft. And it was probably too early on to really bank on that happening. Um, and maybe there's still some, some more plans to come. I think that's probably why they passed on fire. I think they know they've got to have something in their back pocket because you're right. You don't need an elite tight end, but a solid group would be nice. However, I don't even think we're there yet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do have a solid group of blocking tight ends. There's no doubt about that. What's the plan at tight end? Will we sign Tim Tebow? Should we be interested in Hayden Hurst, Zach Hurst, David Njoku? And sorry for not naming all the people that asked tight end questions. I just kind of grouped them all together because there's so many. So what's the plan at tight end? I think the immediate plan is to sign Tim Tebow. Uh, Should the Jaguars be interested in Hayden Hurst, Zach Hurst, or David Njoku? I think they should. Uh, I wouldn't mind trading a day three pick for any of them. I wouldn't give up much more than that. The Jaguars do have two fifth-round picks and nine overall draft picks next year, so I think you could be okay getting rid of one of those picks for a guy. Uh, I've seen some rumors that the Eagles might be planning on releasing Zach Ertz. Hayden Hurst and, and Joku are younger players, obviously, than than Ertz is, although Hurst isn't. Uh, Hurst was pretty old when he came out. So, uh, But anyways, yeah, sure. I think if you can go get a receiving tight end for a day three yeah, pick. Yeah, we'll obviously sign Tim Tebow. I think that's pretty much written in the sand. Um, it just, you know, the question is when will they announce it? Should we be interested in Hurst, Ertz, and Njoku? The answer is yes. You should be interested in anybody who's going to improve uh, the talent on your team, especially from one of the more um, deserted positions in your franchise. But the only thing I want to make sure we have to be very clear about is you don't want to jump the gun. You don't want to act too fast and put yourself in a in a worse position than you could potentially be in the future. And what I mean by that is, like you said, the Eagles are probably going to release Ertz before the season starts. I don't see him being on their roster week one. Um, the same could probably be said with Hayden Hurst. It's a little less likely that they'll cut him, but they will move him. Um, you know, they drafted Kyle Pitts, declined his fifth year option made it pretty evident that he's not a part of their future plans. I understand that. So um, that might be a guy, like you said, you know, throw a little pick out there. Go ahead and take a flyer. He's a Jacksonville kid, went to bowls. Um, I'm sure he'd be ecstatic to be back. David Njoku, yeah, you, you've got to take a flyer on that guy. He, he's athletic. He's fast. He's a different breed of the tight end position. However, you haven't seen him pan out like you thought he would since he's been in the NFL. So you've got to address the tight end position still. Um, and I think one of those three guys have a very good chance of being on this roster at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I do too. We'll see. And again, I just don't think they've, as much as the tight end position has been talked about, I think fans are valuing it much more than the organization really is. It's not an essential position to have a playmaker at. Would it be nice? Yes. But you have playmakers playmakers on this roster coming out the wazoo. So it's not absolutely necessary. It, would it help Trevor? Yes. Would it help the offense? Yes. But is this offense going to be talent deficient in the playmaking department without one? No. Um, James Usov on Twitter. If our plan was 
to go cornerback early. Why did we pass on Greg Newsom at 25? Uh, I love Newsom. I, I get why people would want him at 25. I would have been fine with that pick as well. I would have probably been higher on it than the ETN at first, although I think ETN arguably has just perhaps even more ability to have a major impact on the game with his with his playmaking ability. But I don't think the Jaguars' plan was to necessarily, we have to go cornerback early. I think they got out of day one. They got their quarterback. They got Travis Etienne, who's their playmaker. And uh, they were able to, you know, sleep on it overnight, take a look at everything was on the board. And they just really thought Tyson Campbell presented the best opportunity for them to get better. I don't agree with them, but I think that was their thought process. I don't think it was, oh, we have to take a cornerback. I agree. I think things kind of shaped up a little bit differently than they thought. Um, Once you get to 25, it's very clear that ETN would not have been there at 33. So I'm okay with that decision. Now, would they maybe have been a little shocked to see some of the guys who fell to them at 33. I would have thought so, but apparently not because they went ahead and took Campbell anyway. So it appears that he was higher on their board uh, than anybody else that we had previously discussed or they wouldn't have taken him there. I don't necessarily think that was the pick to be had at 25. Again, if ETN wasn't there at 25, um, Obviously, Kadarius Tony wasn't there. Uh, it would have been very interesting to see where they have would have gone. Um, I still don't think it would have been Newsom, though, regardless. Um, he is somebody that I liked as well, somebody that I would have obviously uh, held in much higher regard than Campbell, and I think pretty much everybody in the football world did. So were they necessarily set on cornerback going in? No, but they had to have had their mind made up on Campbell as a top uh, target for them early on. So Newsom probably just wasn't in their plans. Yeah, they value Campbell's speed and length. They value the fact that they've known about him for a long time. And that's why they took him at 33. I think Newsom's a much better player. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think the Jaguars saw that that distance in terms of uh, the difference in Newsom and Campbell. Although I, I think they're wrong about that. But um, next question comes from Instagram. AstroTurf underscore FL. Why do these fans complaining about the draft think they have an idea what's going on, Jeremy? (laughs) That's all we are, just some fans complaining (laughs) or praising. Um, I mean, you know, you want involved fans. You want, you know, a good, strong following. So, um, you know, AstroTurf underscore FL on IG, man, we're we're just, we're a part of that group. We're just a couple of guys, a couple of fans who, uh, you know, can complain or praise whichever way we feel fit. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm, although we do put in a lot of work. So um, if, you, if you put in a lot of work and you see fit to complain, then I think you have every right to. Now, TMRose10 on Instagram, how do you see our front seven looking in 3-4, 4-3? And what is the biggest deal in the draft for the Jaguars? Um, I think you're going to see 3-4 on base downs because that's what Urban Meyer said this weekend. I think if you're talking about that, Malcolm Brown is going to be in the middle and then you could see any sort of combination of guys next to him because there are so many guys. Roy Robertson-Harris will be out there. Um, Devon Hamilton, J2 Fele, uh, Doug Costin potentially if he's able to make the roster. There's a ton of guys uh, to fill up that that defensive line rotation. I don't know if you have the elite guy right there um, 
on the interior at least. I do think Josh Allen has the potential to be elite. He hasn't done that yet, but he was battling injuries last year. Caleb Von Chason obviously has a lot to prove, but that's how I see it. I think you're guaranteed to see Malcolm Brown in the middle on base downs. And other than that, I think there's going to be a lot You're of right. Ba- base three, four, I think is what fits this team best. We'll see that the most um, Malcolm Brown is, is undoubtedly going to be your man in the middle um, just because of his build and, and the way he fits into that scheme. I do have some questions though, on how the three, four and the four, three are going to look, especially personnel wise. Um, I think from my personal opinion, from our standpoint, the team is, is better fit personnel-wise to to see that 3-4 a lot more frequently. But when you do get into that 4-3, um, you know, it's very clear that, that Miles Jack becomes your middle linebacker, in my opinion. But you've also got uh, Joe Schobert, who I think is more of a traditional middle-of-the-pack guy. And, and you're going to have to probably flex Miles Jack to the outside because I don't see a lot of other linebackers who can play um, either the Sam or the Will. Now, Josh Allen is a, a little bit of a tweener guy. I think he'll probably line up at defensive end in those four, three sets, but that's going to open up um, a linebacker spot for you. Who do you replace on the edge? Is it going to be chase on potentially? Um, I think still, he's probably one of the guys that they see fitting on the edge more consistently than in a typical, um, you know, four, three linebacker role. So I think you got some question marks there, but the one thing I really do like about the defensive line is the fact that you've got Malcolm Brown, like I mentioned, who's going to be your stalwart in the middle in that 3-4. He's going to be your big space eater, uh, gap eater. He's going to take up the center and the guards if he can. That's his role in that defense. But when you switch over to the 4-3, you've got Tufele, you've got Doug Costant, you've got Devon Hamilton, you've got so many guys I think who can be effective from those two positions in the middle, um, and they do things a lot differently uh, than Malcolm Brown does. So I think no matter which way you go, there's going to be a few questions, uh, you know, on how personnel is going to play out. But I think you see the the structure and the building blocks to have a very dynamic hybrid defense. Yeah, and I think they're going to be very good against the run, and and that's going to allow them to have a chance against the pass to get off the field on third down. So that'll be hopefully a nice. <laughs> A nice change from the last couple of years around here. Oh, don't forget the now biggest steal of the draft. Tyler, your biggest steal of the draft. York. Oh, biggest steal of the draft. Well, we did already talk about that. I'll say, Tufele. I'll I, say I, it's Jay Tufele. You know, I just think he's too good to healthy, be a third. Healthy, healthy at Cisco. Three. I think healthy. He he's going to be probably Fair. one of the best players out of this class. And uh, if he's not healthy, then I agree with Tufele. Especially with the the fit, like we said in Jacksonville, to, with that type of offensive firepower you have, the ability to get them the ball back cannot be understated. Uh, now, Tyler York and Sons on Instagram, what are the chances of Dylan Moses making the team? I kind of hope that he's just kind of like an IR guy all year, and they just really bring him back slowly, rehab that that knee injury and and then see what you can get out of him if he's fully healthy going into the following season. So I think there's a good chance that Dylan Moses sticks with the Jaguars through 2021, whether it be practice squad, IR, whatever. If you're talking about him making the 53-man roster and like contributing this year, that and might be I was be going to uh, kind of ask the same questions that you just did. If we're talking about 53-man roster here, I think it's pretty easy to say that 
there's a 0% chance we see him on the 53-man roster this year. However, there's... I mean, he would just have to make incredible strides It would be something that, that would surprise a lot of people. Um, but they even came out and said, you know, he's here to rehab with us. So I think the chances of him being with the organization are 100%. I don't think you make that statement um, and, and bring a guy in like that just to cut him before the season starts. They'll probably put him on the um, pup list um, to start work on that um, rehab. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that pup list allows you to not have to take that um, extended roster spot. So he won't be taking up any space. Um, he can learn the scheme, uh, you know, get, acclimated to the NFL and and I don't think it's a bad idea with the kind of upside that Dylan Moses has. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent Um Harry Birch Harry underscore Birch underscore five on Instagram. Where are we in two to in three two years? years you should be late in the season making a push at winning the division. Um making a push at the playoffs competitive year one you're probably gonna see some growing pains and and i understand that and and we're expecting that by year two though with trevor lawrence as your quarterback with all the strides you're making hopefully in free agency and everything else to come there's no stopgap here there's no time for you to to slow things down and, and and take time to to build a winning team this team needs to win now you're gonna have guys that are gonna be expensive coming up in a few years who are still on rookie deals who are huge playmakers for you. You need to capitalize on that while you can. We see that becoming more of a trend in the NFL. So I think in two years, you're fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for the division title. And in year three, you're making the playoffs. And if you're not, it's a failure and you're moving on to the next guy. I think if if Urban hasn't made the playoffs by year three, he's probably out of town. I think you got to make the playoffs in year two. I think you got to win a playoff game at the very least in year three, uh, plain and simple. I think you should be competing into December this year. If not, I think that'll be a disappointment. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this year, like you said, they're growing pains, and then year two, you better be you better be in the playoffs, in my opinion, in year two. Uh, Bosch Jerkman on IG, one of my best friends in the whole world, Josh Bergman, just had a baby. Shout out to him. How how many Super Bowl appearances for Ooh, Trevor and Duval? That's a tough one. I mean, I don't, I don't I, yeah, I don't, I don't care who you are. Like loaded question, um, right? You know, even if you're going to ask me right now, how many Super Bowls do I see Patrick Mahomes going to? The NFL is just is just too unpredictable. Um, you know, things can change in an instant. But if Trevor is the pedigree of quarterback that we think he is, you know, if, if this team does the right things to put him in a position to succeed. You've got to think at least three, right? But you know, then again, you look at Al. Uh, I was at Alex Rodriguez because I was thinking A Rod, but Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look at that one. One Aaron of the Rogers. best, if not the most talented quarterback to ever play the position, and has failed to get back there again. And I think that's an example of the team not really doing what they need to do around him. And um, I also think he's an odd bird, kind of. You know. Trevor Lawrence is going to be that leader that you want always. And I'm not saying he's going to be a better football player than Aaron Rodgers, but I think he will be a better teammate than Aaron Rodgers. And I think that does matter. Um, But yeah, I would, I mean, this is such a 
crazy question. I love it, Josh, but uh, let's just say three. I think we can both agree. Now, is that three a Super Bowls for Trevor? Let's say Trevor's here the entire time. His entire career plays in Duval, oh, 15 God, years. Yeah. Knowing the pedigree and what you're expecting from him is yeah, three success. Okay. Just curious. Yes. Uh, now, it is a success. Would you want more? Always. But he is a guy who's a winner, bottom line. He's always been a winner. He's made the playoffs every year in college football. Uh, really impressive stuff right there. So I think even if you don't get uh, multiple Super Bowl wins, I think you're going to get multiple Super Bowl appearances. And I think that should here, be good enough here, for here's a franchise. Here's a little bit more to add to that. I want to take real quick. So. I know we're wrapping up here. Patrick Mahomes has made it two out of three yeah. years. Patrick Mahomes, I think playing the way he's playing right now, obviously he's out of this world, but I think he didn't have the pre-draft hype that Trevor Lawrence has. I think Trevor Lawrence has the hype that's supposed to match Patrick Mahomes' success thus far in his career, if that makes sense. So do you expect, based off of the hype and everything that he has coming in, obviously the situation is a little bit different, can you call it reasonable to accept expect the same um, success from Trevor Lawrence that you are seeing from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, but think about it. Like it, it makes you think, right? Like, <laughs> like the, the, cause Patrick well, Mahomes didn't have that, but, but if question. he, if he was, was not doing what he's doing now, it wouldn't be, no, he wouldn't be, you know, being crucified or, or you know, they, they wouldn't be running him out of town, but with the pre-draft hype, with everything that Trevor Lawrence has had coming behind him, his entire career, if he doesn't, get close to that Patrick Mahomes type play, that winning, there's going to be people calling for his head. No, you're right about that. I do think he will, you know, he's a freak. Mahomes, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And he went to the perfect system, perfect head coach, a lot of talent around him. Yeah, I think Trevor should perform at a similar level no. is he going to be the same style no i don't think you'll <laughs> see quite as many no look passes from trevor lawrence but will you see off script plays that just wow wow you yes absolutely uh trevor lawrence that's one of the biggest reasons he's a no-brainer he's very good at everything at quarterback but his plays that he pulls out of his ass every game you see three or four of them at least those are the type of plays that win you games in the NFL. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to continue to be able to do that at the next level. Um, so, yeah, three Super Bowls for Trevor. Chance Hester, and that's three Super Bowl Not appearances. <laughs> Hopefully they would win multiple, but, you know, we'll see. Chance Hester, and I mean, three Super Bowl appearances for the Jaguars, all right, people? You know, get excited. Let's not... Let's not be like, oh my God, that's not enough. We have to be careful with, <laughs> with never putting our expectations on too high of a pedestal because of where we are. This is still the NFL. It's still the most yeah. competitive league in sports, in my opinion. And, and I just think that we've got to remember that. For sure. For sure. Chance Hester. He's also a good buddy. Good friend of the show. Jags YouTuber. Uh, who leads the Jags in receiving touchdowns? Receptions? And who is the clutch guy Trevor goes to on third down in tight situations? I think this is a really interesting question. For me, 
and I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I just think like, I think that DJ Visca and Marvin all can fill all three of these questions. And I, I just don't think we will answer touchdowns and receptions and you can answer the clutch guy as well. But I think on third down situations, Trevor is going to be looking for the open man. That's my answer. Cause I think all three of those guys are good enough and clutch enough to I get, that. get the job I think done that, on third down. That, that third question, who's going to be the third down guy is going to be something that has to develop. Um, who leads the Jags in receiving touchdowns? I'm going to, I'm actually going to say, I think it's Marvin Jones. Um, I think people are not going to, people are not going to I mean, yeah. hold him to the same standard. I think in Jacksonville that, you know, they had previously, I think people are going to be more focused on LaVisca, more focused on Chark. I think, um, Marvin Jones is going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities. And I think he's really going to show his experience and mesh well with Trevor early. I think that's why he'll lead the league in receiving touchdowns receptions. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Lead the team. Ooh, lead the league. Yes, back that up a little bit. Back that up. A I was bit. about Not to say lead. hot team. take, baby. Now, <laughs> but he is the only guy that has nine touchdowns. So I, I think, I think that's going to carry on. You know, I, I really, I think you're gonna have a plethora of weapons here and it's going to work to their advantage, but he's going to go find the vet early. And I think it's going to be Marvin Jones. Who's going to have the most receptions. I think it's gonna be DJ Chark. I mean, he's your number one guy. He really is. Um, Trevor's gonna be looking for him a lot and often. And I think, DJ Chark has shown the ability to get open consistently. And now that you have a quarterback that can get you the ball, especially downfield, I think we're going to see a huge bounce back breakout year again from DJ Chark. Um, who's going to be the clutch call on third downs? Like I said, it's going to take some time to develop that relationship, but um, I think I can narrow it down to two people um, just because of, of what I think, you know, kind of how uh, the NFL offense works and, 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 you know, what guys thrive in, in these situations. I think it's either going to be Visca or Travis Etienne. I really do. I think Etienne is, is a familiarity thing, and Trevor's probably going to be looking for him often. He's going to be a safety blanket. I don't think we have any tight ends who are going to be that safety blanket. And then Visca, just because I think of where they're going to line him up um, in those situations. You know, really anywhere, a lot inside, I think, this year, a lot more inside now that you've got two really prototypical outside receivers. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy who's going to not be focused on as much in those clutch situations, and Trevor's going to be able to find him open a lot. Yeah, I'll take, uh, like I said, I'm not going to do the clutch guy because I really do think all three of those guys are going to get a ton of targets on third down. But um, receiving touchdowns, I'll take DJ just to mix it up a little bit. You know, he is a guy that he had a ton of receiving touchdowns a couple years ago. He is the guy that can make the most spectacular catches, although Marvin Jones is very good at that. But DJ can really have that crazy catch radius that you're looking for where Trevor can just kind of toss it up to him and uh, get it anywhere near him and he'll go get it. And then receptions, I'll take DJ with that as well. So I guess go get him on your fantasy roster. Especially in a PPR. I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? Touchdowns and receptions. Uh, He was targeted 92 times last year in 13 games. He was dealing with injuries through some of those games. I think he's going to be targeted easily. You should really times come close to that 80, 90 catch mark this year. Yeah, that'd be awesome to see. He's very deserving. And then he'll be very deserving of a 
big time wide receiver contract. Hopefully the Jaguars are the team to give it to him. But that's going to do it for this show. I really appreciate everybody sending in those mailbag questions. Sorry if we missed yours. Let us know. Uh, follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Please like the show, subscribe on whatever platform, um, give us reviews on the Apple podcast. Those help just so much more than you know for people being able to find the show and enjoy our content. And again, check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. And if you're listening on Thursday, May 6th, final day to get your A New Hope t-shirt pre-order in that's gonna do it thank you so much for listening and supporting and sending in your mailbag questions we really appreciate everybody uh shout out to bold city brewery the one and only sponsor of the gin jag podcast enjoy your weekend duval and go jags save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.